time for the Blind Broadcaster Podcast presented by the Luther King Broadcast Network. Each episode, Luther King sits down with fellow broadcasters to get their insight into their passion for broadcasting and discuss their career journey. Blind from birth, Luther King has never let that stop him from attaining his goal on becoming a blind broadcaster. And now, here's the blind broadcaster himself, Luther King. Hello again, and welcome to this spookiest month on the calendar, so everyone says as we are getting into the holiday season. The first one on the list is way down the line in this one. Halloween. But that's not why you're here. You want more Blind Broadcaster Podcast content? Well, here you go. My guest to open up the month of October for this podcast is the host of the Quote of the Day show, teacher of the Free Money Mind class, and an entrepreneur. My guest on this month's edition to open the month of October for you and yours is Sean Croxton. And oh, hi, this is Luther King, your host of this fine podcast, the Blind Broadcaster Podcast, here on the LKBN. If you would like to find out more information about this podcast, you can look up the Blind Broadcaster Podcast Facebook page. For broadcast and play-by-play, look up Luther King Broadcasting Network Facebook page. You can email me and find me on Facebook with the following address, luther.king.tsb at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at king underscore tsb. And you can find me on IG at lking.cardinalsan85. And as always, whichever podcast platform you may be enjoying this podcast on, we always ask you to rate, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcast platform directory. My guest, Sean Croxton, on Season 2, Episode 9 of the Blind Broadcaster Podcast. My guest on the Blind Broadcaster Podcast... Normally we have PXP voices on this pod, but today I decided to take you out of left field. Why? Because this guest has a podcast that is very popular on a lot of podcast platforms. And he also has a book club. And basically wants to show people how they can live their best life possible. Today I'm talking to Sean Croxton, the host of the Quote of the Day show, Pod. When did you know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur, or was there something in your life that put you on that particular path? You know, I've known, and thank you for having me on the show, Luther. really appreciate you giving me this opportunity. Um, I uh, knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur when I was a little kid. I was probably eight years old. My father, he sold shoes at Macy's Monday through Friday, but on the weekends, he worked at the Oakland swap meet uh, selling different things, whether it be butterfly knives or stun guns or fake Gucci knockoff sweatshirts and guest t-shirts. My dad would go out to the swap meet, sell his stuff, and he would take me along with him. And I just remember him taking me out to the swap meet with him to sell things. And I just recall that big fat wad of money that was in his back pocket, just being so mesmerized by the fact that somebody can earn that much money, you know, it's just out on the weekend selling things to people, essentially like resale. And um, ever since then, I've wanted to be an entrepreneur. I remember my, my dad used to get Entrepreneur Magazine. And as a seven or eight year old trying to sound out that word, because it's kind of a funny looking word. Like I really remember that. And, Especially with there's an O at the beginning of it. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And so um, I was just fascinated by the fact that he didn't have to go work for somebody in order to earn income. And that just started a whole bunch of things for me, whether it was selling baseball cult cards as a kid or selling like knockoff hip hop bootleg CDs in college. Um, yeah, I just had a lot of entrepreneurial endeavors or personal training at some point. I've always just been good at selling things and I've always been very imaginative and finding solutions for people. So that's, that's how it all began. So for you, what were the biggest points when you went with your dad? Did he sell you on like 
here's how you build relationships with people or sell something to somebody and become a closer. Not necessarily, man. My dad never really taught me entrepreneurship. Like my dad took off when I was 10 years old. So I had a couple of years of exposure to entrepreneurship through my dad, but I don't remember him ever taking me to the side and schooling me up on anything. Oh, okay. It was more a matter of me just watching him do it. And um, I've always <coughs> been a very independent person. I've always, always kind of had a problem with authority. I don't like people telling me what to do. And Amen. So, <laughs> yeah, I just knew that, that it was never really in my future to work for somebody. That just was never my thing. I always knew I had to like do things for myself. And so, yeah, dad, dad didn't teach me anything. It was more of an observational thing um, where I learned a lot of stuff was through books. You know, I've got a damn near a library in my house. And so if there's something I want to know about entrepreneurship or sales, I definitely read it out of a book and put it into uh, to practice. Do you still have the entrepreneurial magazine? I don't get entrepreneur magazine. However, um, you know, my dad passed in, in 99, I want to say. And um, I was featured on the in entrepreneur magazine online in maybe 2017. And so that's something I know my dad would have certainly been proud of, like his son being, you know, involved with Entrepreneur Magazine. I think he would have dug that a lot. Now, I remember in one of your Court of the Day show episodes, you were talking about Bob Proctor and the book from Bryce Pritchard yeah. that I think you guys either are starting on or have already started in your book club that you have on Tuesdays maybe a monthly book club. And you said you had him on your podcast as your first guest. How did you build that business friendship with a guy like a Bob Proctor? Well, I, I can't say I have a business friendship with, with, with Bob. Um, it, it, I, I could just remember, I can just tell you that having Bob on the show was definitely a, a dream come true. And to get Bob on the show, like all I had to do was ask, you mm -hmm. know, I, I, I sent him an email. Um, we, we made it happen. We got on Skype, we recorded the, the interview and, you know, it was just a really cool experience and also a little bit of an unsettling experience where, you know, it was my first episode of a brand new podcast, the Sean Croxton Sessions, which I haven't done in a few years. I only did about 22 episodes of that. And, um, you know, I got ready, you know, I've been doing interviews for a long time. My first podcast was called Underground Wellness Radio, which I did for seven years, seven years of just straight up interviewing people. And I just developed a skill, you know, that became my craft interviewing um i listen to or i watch some of the world's best interviewers whether it be charlie rose or barbara walters or especially howard stern um just 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 learning the interviewing craft from them and you know i'm a real stickler for preparation you know if there's a, a one hour piece of content which is the podcast I, I will study 20 30 40 hours for that one hour of content i will make sure i know that guest that guest inside and out that way i'm not asking a bunch of questions that everybody's already asked that guest i really want to go deep i want to do my very best to turn that interview into somewhat of a therapy session to really get down to um get down deep with that guest and really reveal them to the audience. So that way the audience can walk away, um, not only feeling very relatable to this expert, but also feeling like they know, like, and trust that person. So when I interviewed Bob, I did tons of prep and there was this little book called Inspired that his wife had created um, for him for his 70th birthday. And it was wow. full of stories from family members. And I'm not sure how I, I found this book. Maybe my, my assistant dug it up for me, but we ordered it. I got it. I read it. And I remember interviewing Bob, walking Bob pretty much his life chronologically and bringing up a story from that book called Inspired. And he was just so blown away by the fact that I actually did that much research. And there's a part, there's a point in that interview where you can hear Bob get emotional, where I was like, oh my God, is Bob Proctor about to cry in this interview? And um, he said during the interview, <coughs> in his 55 years 
of being interviewed, it was the best one. I was the best interviewer he had ever seen, which was great. But at the same time, it was my first episode of that particular podcast. So like, what's episode number two going to be? You know what I'm saying? And so um, it was a real pleasure interviewing him. So to get back to your question, we really didn't have a business relationship. However, um, we did have a phenomenal interview for sure. And... When did or how did quote of the day become what it is now? Was it just one of those after you decided, okay, maybe I shouldn't do interviewing, but maybe find people that inspire folks, find quotes. And I do like the fact that when you do quote of the day, depending on what you need to bring up, you have like common themes for the week or maybe a common theme for a particular day. Heck, even had a less brown week about three weeks ago, which was rad, if I do (laughs) say so myself. Thank you. Well, well, the idea came to me back in 2014, as a matter of fact. This is when I was doing my Underground Wellness podcast. I just didn't have time to do another podcast. So I'm driving down the five freeway from the Bay Area, driving back to San Diego. And I was on Sirius XM radio listening to their um, comedy channel. And on the the comedy channel, they play short clips of comedy shows. And as I'm driving, I'm saying to myself, I would, I would listen to a channel that played motivational talks all day long. Right. But there wasn't a channel like that. So I'm thinking to myself, like, how do I start a serious radio show? Do I have time for that right now? Because I'm really involved with my underground wellness business. Let's kind of set this idea aside. Then a couple of years later, I gotten out of underground wellness. I closed down that business. I started up a new business, started up that interview podcast called the Sean Croxton Sessions. You know, and, and, and like I said, doing the prep was just too much. It was just too much work to do one hour of content. So it just dawned on me one day in the gym, why don't I just do this other idea, this motivational short clip motivational uh, podcast. And so I immediately a week later, that podcast was up and running. I did about two weeks just to see what the, the reception would be by the audience. And they loved it. And they love it, you know, number one, because it's five days a week. Number two is because it's motivational. It's a great way for people to start their day. It's like their their morning cup of coffee. But number three is that it's a podcast that they can consume in 12 minutes or less. Most podcasts are going to run an hour, hour and a half. You got to listen to them in multiple sittings. Somebody can get that sense of fulfillment, motivation, and completion with my podcast five days a week. So it just becomes a habit for them. Speaking of podcasts, have you listened to the podcast and that's how they lead it yet? You know what? I don't listen to any podcasts, which is weird. I have a podcast, but I'm not <laughs> listening to podcasts. I read books. That's all I do. You know what? I've I, I run through a lot of people where they you know, have a podcast, but they don't listen to them. Yeah, I, I just Especially I don't. from other people because it's like you don't want to water down your content by listening to other people. Yeah, I never want to listen to somebody and be like, I should do that. Or should I do that? Or, you know, I like that idea. Like, I don't even want to know what else is going out there on out there. Like, I just have my thing. I do my thing. And I just, I, it's a great way to not compare myself to others. Mm-hmm. I just do my thing. I don't care what anybody else is doing. I don't listen to anybody else's podcast. Yeah. <clears throat> and of course, I do got to give you some props on the Maxwell one as well. When you had a couple of John Maxwell quotes. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty good. Yeah. Are there any people and speakers you've had on with the quote of the day show? Either they're still living or have passed on because you've had a lot of late great people, the late Kobe Bryant, the late Jim Rohn, <clears throat> um, a bunch of others that you've had. But who are your favorites that you've had on the show? And even when you go back and listen to them again for yourself, even while you're, you know, you're listening to them maybe in a podcast setting or listening to them before you put them up, what do you feel like you're getting out of those speeches? You know what, for me, it's, um, well, let me tell you my, my favorite guys. I mean, I love Lisa Nichols. I love Kobe. I love. I loved her quote. I love what she loved her speech today, too. Yeah, she 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 was great. You know, abundance, oh, yeah. abundance is for everybody. Like it mm-hmm. doesn't have to let 
activist for everybody. Um, I love Jim Rome. Like you mentioned, I love Ed Milet. He's one of the newer speakers I've been bringing on the show. Pretty, you, pretty- you want to talk about energy for days. Oh, yeah. He's got it. <laughs> Dr. Dennis Kembro, who I'm, I'm, I have coming on in a couple of weeks, uh, his stuff I love. Um, but, but to get back to like what I get out of it, you know, for me, I've been doing it for so long and I've been reading so many books that it's just the repetition, man. You know, the concepts for the most part are all the same. You know, if you listen to the show for a month, you pretty much get all of the concepts, right, of success. But it's just that repetition that really gets it into the subconscious mind. So it really becomes who you are. It's not just something you're listening to. It just becomes a way of life. I've gotten so many emails from people who say like, yo, I've been listening to your show for a year now. And I will tell you, I'm a completely different person than I was when I started listening to your show. And that's that's what it's about, because if they just listen to it for a couple of weeks, there's no change that's made. But if you listen to it, you know, what is that, 250 something episodes a year, you all you can't help but become a different person. You can't help but seal those ideas in your subconscious mind. You can't help but override some of those limiting beliefs that you've been holding on to. So for me, again, it's just a repetition, man. It just gets sealed deeper and deeper and deeper into my mindset. I love the, you know, the remix that you put on on the spot because you normally don't do Saturday mixes. Right. But I loved when you did the mix on Saturday, when you had the whole week of people talking about, what was it, a mindset like TV with TDJ and being all in and so commitment. on and so forth. and Commitment. Yeah, commitment. And um, basically, it was a whole week of that. And then you basically mixed it up into one nice little two to four minute almost like mixtape and it actually it was actually entertaining but you got something out of it yeah i love doing those motivation mixes Uh, i'm glad you you enjoyed it i used to do it every saturday um kind of when i first started i started the show uh those themselves are very time consuming um, you know, you got to find the right music. You got to find the right clips. And uh, I just couldn't keep it up time wise. Sure. But, uh, I got I got hit by the spirit, you know, a couple months ago. And I was like, you know what? I feel I feel like creating something. <laughs> and I just I just sat in my my kitchen one day and found some music and found some clips, man. I just, <clears throat> and it's so funny because sometimes when I when I do this, the clips, they just they the clips. I they find, just pop, though. The, the clips I find and the music I find like. It, they literally, they, it almost seems like they were meant for each other because there will be like a part where Les Brown will say something that's going to be really important. And mm-hmm. at that very second, the music will kind of like turn down a little bit. And then once he's done saying that really important thing, the music will come back up. And it's like, man, it's like this clip was made for, for this music. It's, it's crazy how that works. But uh, I wish I had more time to, to do those. Maybe I should hire somebody because I know the audience. You, you know what that kind of reminds me of? It's kind of like reminds me of one of those, you know, a lot of old school DJs would just basically do like the mix thing with the records and maybe do the, you know, drop, of the, drop the needle on the record and go with one mix than another. Mm-hmm. So that's you did with the clips because it's like you had Les Brown and then you had and then it was like somebody else popping in and then the music would just go down and then pop back up and then you would go to the next one. Yeah. And it was like, dude, was he a DJ in a past life or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. I'm, just, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, because I remember it was a Saturday afternoon and it was like, and you said after that Friday episode with, oh, who was that lady that you had on Friday, on that Friday mm-hmm. to wrap up the week? Mm-hmm. I can't remember who it was now, but it was like, it was either, it was either a TEDx talk or been a um, conference you were speaking in about like reprogramming your mind or something like that. Right. I can't remember what her name was off the top of my head, but it was during that week. Mm-hmm. And then that Saturday, you said you were going to have something special. So I flipped over there on the Quote of the Day show, and the mix we're talking about now, I'm listening to it, and I'm like, holy smokes. That's some strong stuff. I'm like, was Croxon a DJ or something in past life or something that maybe he forgot? <laughs> I'm like, that was like some crazy awesome stuff. I remember, I remember uh, when I was in high school, um, going to see kind of like a, a – 
college counselor or something. I went there with my mom and I didn't know what I wanted to major in. And, you know, he asked me, um, what am I good at? What do I want to do? And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm good at business, but I also want to be a radio DJ. I was just blown. I was just fascinated by radio DJs. And, you know, whenever there was a, a dance at school, I would be the DJ with a bunch of tapes I would bring. And whenever like I went to a party or something, I'd be the DJ just spinning stuff. And so I never like was good at spinning or anything, but I just knew the right records to play. And so I don't know, man, it's just this, this, this hidden talent that I found that I had a couple of years ago where I just started making these mixes and people really, really like them. And so again, uh, I would love to do them more often. I love doing them because they, they make me express that creativity and it feels really good to do so. And I'm glad you enjoyed it. You brought up that you said you had an assistant. How many people are on your entrepreneurial team and how were you able to create the team that you currently have now to allow you to basically free yourself to do the things that you want to do with what you're currently doing now, podcast-wise, business-wise, and so on and so forth? Well, uh, that's a great question. My team is very small. My team is myself and two other people who work very part-time. Uh, Katie, my assistant, probably puts in, I don't know, five to seven hours a week. Um, right. Ian, who does the editing for my podcast, um, you know, he just probably puts in about maybe an hour and a half a week. And so it's a very, very small team. I keep things very, very simple. I've been doing my social media because I find it to be pretty easy. Um I I do I, I just got done as a matter of fact. I got all of the clips ready. I found all the clips for the quote of the day show for the week after next in about an hour and fifteen minutes. And now I just have to I just have to record them and it probably will just take me about thirty minutes. Actually I did the intros for next week's podcast. Uh, this morning took me about 20 minutes. So it was pretty quick. And so um, I've been able to have a very simple business. The business can be a lot bigger than it is, but I kind of like it this way where I have a lot of time to myself. I can watch basketball. I can work out or I can go for walks. I can watch movies. I can just do the hang out with friends, do the things I really love where the business isn't truly taking over my life. I still have control of my life and uh, the stress is very low and I'm, the money's really good too. So I really like it this way. So very small team. It goes well. How did you manage to create opportunities where you can get paid without having the stress level? But a lot of people are trying to take the long way around. And in one of your articles, I read, well, just the title of it, how entrepreneur, how entrepreneurs fail. Can you write down what you, your bullet points on why entrepreneurs say they want to get started and then where the pitfalls are for those people that are future entrepreneurs or are thinking about it, making a drastic career change. Yeah. Um, I, God, I could talk about that all day. Um, what comes to mind first would be with entrepreneurs. Um, number one, if you're, you're leaving a nine to five job to become an entrepreneur, there is a different mindset that an entrepreneur has that a nine to five worker um, has. It's two completely different things. Entrepreneurship takes risk. You know, you have to be a decision maker. I find that most people have very, very difficult um, times making decisions because of a fear of failure, also a fear of the unknown. Um, failure can really, really be a tough one. Also actually not just the fear of failure, but also the fear of success. Because success to most individuals is completely unknown. The brain really, really loves familiarity. It really loves the way that things are. In any type of major change or even a minor change in your life, your brain is going to resist it. And so when somebody leaves a nine to five job to become an entrepreneur, they tend to find themselves in this state of uncertainty, in this state of um, a cycle of starting and stopping, starting and stopping, uh, sabotaging themselves all over and over again because the brain is so resistant to change. Um, on top of that, there's a lot of beliefs that people have about the things that are involved with entrepreneurship that conflict with entrepreneurship itself. Um, for example, many people have limiting beliefs about money. Uh, money's bad. People with money are bad. Uh, money doesn't grow on trees. Money is scarce and such. Lisa um, Nichols talked about that in her um, yes. speech today. And I think she talked about it about a month and a half ago. She Absolutely. was talking about the abundance thing. 
Yeah, and, and if you're going to be an entrepreneur and you're going to be in business, the objective is your business is not just to serve people, but also to turn a profit which requires you to make money. But if your subconscious mind has problems with money, if you have limiting beliefs about money, you're gonna push that money away and you're never gonna make any. If you have limiting beliefs about sales, so sales is slimy, sales or manipulation, you're never gonna be able to sell anything. A lot of people say sales is a soul-sucking job. Well, that's a belief. And if it's if that's their belief about sales, they're never going to be successful selling because they're essentially saying to themselves, I want to sell something and have my soul sucked out of me. That's how the brain hears it. And so the brain is just going to sabotage it because no brain in its right mind is going to want to have the soul sucked out of, a, of itself. And so we believe that, you know, marketing is this slimy thing and marketing is manipulation as well. And so we have all of these limiting beliefs that are associated with entrepreneurship and the things that are involved. So people sabotage themselves over and over again. One thing that people say about me, actually, one thing I say about myself, and I'll get to the other, is... I was able to build a hugely successful business with underground wellness by something called my intuition. Just by listening to my intuition, does this feel right or does this not feel right? What's the next step? Okay, now I'm taking that next step. Okay, what's the next step after that? Most people get caught up in the how. They're like, how am I gonna do? And they need to control every single piece of it. I'm, I'm able to let go of control and allow that path to unfold before me by listening to the intuitions, the insights, the hunches, those gut feelings as I move along my journey. Because the subconscious, I posted this on Instagram today, the conscious mind selects the goal. The subconscious mind figures out how to do it. So I just punch in that destination and my subconscious mind just, just shows me the way to go to in, in order to get it. Most people don't know that because they, they feel like they need to control it. Number two, people will say, like friends I have in the internet marketing space, they say, Sean, what I love about him is he doesn't have shiny object syndrome. So when the, this is why I don't pay attention to what anybody else is doing. Another right. reason is because when people start doing something, I won't just go jump on that train. I'll, you know, I just keep doing my thing, keep doing what feels right to me, keep serving my people. That's how it works. The shiny objects I don't give two darns about because those things are probably at some point going to burn themselves out. And what we always tend to do is come back to the basics, which is basic marketing, giving, 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 and then getting something in return, usually if you provide a really high quality service. As Reverend Ike, when you had the segment about the subconscious mind, when he was talking about that as well. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Yes. The subconscious mind is everything. Your subconscious mind is what creates your life. It's, it's whatever you believe to be true about you, about, about the world, about business, about relationships, whatever is in your subconscious mind. And it will literally just guide you toward proving everything you believe to be true. So you got to look at those beliefs and examine them. Most of us have beliefs that we got when we were little kids that have never been examined. So we're just walking around as grown-up seven-year-olds. That's what we're doing. Oh, we know a few of those. At least I do, anyway. <laughs> and I, I did like the aerial forward yesterday about the Japanese um, things you're talking about. Mm -hmm. about Wabi-sabi love. Yes. And I'm like... If only more people learned that, what that's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. But sadly, we don't. Yeah. Yeah. Those things about our partners that bother us, you know, you got to love that stuff because, uh, you know, they, they squeeze the toothpaste wrong. It's all good, man. You know, you got to love those <laughs> about, about people because, you know, when they're gone, you're going to miss it. You're going to make some the socks in the middle of the floor. You're going to miss the, the toothpaste that's, you know, mashed up and squeezed all weird. You're going to miss the... Poppy seeds uh, all over the joint. Yeah, exactly. You're going to miss that stuff about somebody. So that's just who they are. You know, you have your faults and you have your flaws. You have your bad habits and it's okay. We just got to accept that about each other instead of fighting it. So going back to the subconscious, when you deal with people that are you know, in the book club, when you deal with people in a one-on-one -on -one setting, what are you looking for to see which people have the entrepreneurial mindset, those that are close, and those that have a long way to go, but 
you know that they have it, but they just haven't tapped into it yet. Or in a better phrase, the light bulb hasn't come on yet. Well, I, I really don't don't look at that so much um, with the book club, and I don't really work with anybody one on one anymore. The book club is just like a it's just a reading group, and honestly, mm-hmm. we don't really talk much about the books. It's usually just us supporting each other in a way that's based on what we just read. Right. Um, I do want to go back just a little bit because I want to talk about the simplicity of the business, and maybe this will help you answer the question. That you have. Um, my business is just simply doing the quote of the day show. It, that that probably takes me max two and a half hours a week. I right. teach one class. It's called Money Mind Academy. I launch mm-hmm. it every quarter. Um, you know, sign up. Uh, we signed up 150 people this this past semester. Um, launching it again in a couple of weeks. Hopefully, we can do 200 people at a thousand dollars a head. And I just do this four times a year. It's an eight week class. And then I do uh, the book club. The book club is $29 a month. We got about 200 members in there. Of course, there's some attrition every month and then new people get added on. But it's usually about 200 people a month that are in it. And um, that's my that's my business. It's it's really, really easy. Uh, getting ready for the book club is usually about less than 10 pages a week. So I just read those 10 pages a few times during the week, whip up some quick questions for the um, for the um the members and then on Wednesday we talk about it. And so and now also the Money Mind Academy course, I've taught it so many times I can literally teach it in my sleep if I wanted to. And so that's the simplicity of the business. I'm not so much like trying to like come up with 18 different programs for people. Right. Like there's one program that I teach and I'm really freaking good at this program. Like I think I'm probably the best money mindset teacher in the world right now because I just focus on this one thing instead of scattering my attention among 18 different programs. So I think that's key. I think a lot of entrepreneurs are getting into business thinking they have to reinvent the wheel and create all of these different types of all these different products. Simplicity. Simplicity, simplicity. It doesn't have to be complicated. We're always, this is what Will Smith said, like we're always looking for complexity. It doesn't have to be complex. It can be very, very, very simple. basic. Basic. Just get to basics. Forget whatever. Forget. There's 18 million courses. People are trying to sell you how to do this, how to do the other. Like, yo, what do you want to do? What is the what one- do you do well? Stick what do you really? You. Yeah. What do you really want to be known for? You don't want to be known for everything. You want to be known for, for this one. one. What is that one thing you want to be known for? And go do that and go do it really well. And also accept the fact that you're not going to crush it from day one. You know, you're not, you got to, you ever seen one of those hockey stick graphs where it's just kind of moving along real slow, real slow, real slow. At some point it goes, boom, like that's what business is like. You know, just kind of moving along. You're wondering like, is what I'm doing actually working? And you start to question yourself. But there's that story in Think and Grow Rich, it's called Three Feet from Gold, where the guy found all this gold and then like he's looking for more, he's looking for more and he can't find it. And at some point he just sells all of his equipment to a junk man and the junk man makes a few calls and, and hires some people. And what they found was that the first guy, he stopped three feet from the treasure. And so we got to understand, got to keep at it, keep going, keep going, keep going, because the last thing you want to do is stop when you're three feet from gold. When, when you feel like you really, really, really want to quit, when you really, really feel like you're done, that's when your seed is about to sprout. So you can either quit or that seed can sprout for you. It's just either one or the other, but just keep going. I promise you it's going to work. As Maxwell, I think, talked about, because I get the minute with Maxwell's every day in my email inbox, and one of them... He talked about you have two choices here. You can either keep going or you can stop short of what you could have had. Yes. Now, break this down for me. Word. How did you come up with the Money Mindset Academy? Or was it another one of those driving down the I-5 freeway listening to another Sirius XM episode? Or... But it's something else is like, wait a minute, I can teach something that people will actually get or was teaching even a part of what you had in mind? Yeah. So this is a great question. Um, 
you know, back in 2008, 2009, I got on YouTube when it first started, maybe 2006, 2007, mm-hmm. and I grew this this huge channel. I mean, there, at the time, if you had 50,000 followers, it was a big deal. So in 2009, I had 50,000 followers, we'll say, and I was still pretty broke. I was just getting by, and I really wanted to make money, and I'm going like, what is going on? Like, why am I not making money? Why am I so scared to sell something? Like, why, when somebody asks me how much something costs, do I undervalue myself. And a buddy of mine sent over an audio file uh, with Dr. John Demartini, and it was about values. Like, what do you value the most highly? What are your core values? And what I found was that money, like earning, saving, and investing money were not in my core values. They were not mm-hmm. in those top five values. Money, uh, money was like number nine. And if something is not in your, if you have a goal, that is not in alignment with your core values, you're going to sabotage yourself every time because it's not important. And that kind of opened my whole mind. Like, wow, there's a, this is a, this is a real thing. Like money mindset is a real thing. You can really sabotage yourself if your beliefs and your values aren't aligned with what you want. Um, And I had another realization around that time, which was the us versus them realization. Where I was like, wow, I've been raised to believe that, Rich people are them. They're these terrible people who um, are greedy and miserable and do all these bad things. And we are the good ones. We are the good poor people. That's how I was raised. And so subconsciously, I was sabotaging my financial success because in my mind, deep there in the crevices, right, I was afraid that I was going to become one of them. And this just like just set me on this whole this whole journey of just exploring why people sabotage their money goals. Like, why do people set money goals every January and forget about them by January 14th? Like, what is going on? And then what really sealed it for me was I took a, a couple of landmark questions. Uh, uh, courses, landmark education courses, mm-hmm. and they have these spinoff courses. And I attended this one about money. And I remember the first day it was standing room only people like literally in the hallway trying to get in. And I remember sitting there going, this is a serious issue for people because there's never this many people in any of the other courses I've taken here. And I was like, one day I'm going to start myself a money mindset program once I figure this thing out. And I figured it out. And man, there's nothing I love more than teaching money mindset because there's so many different facets to it, like emotions and thoughts and neuroscience and quantum physics. And it's just, it's, it's, it's what I love to do. I can't not do it. Zig Ziglar talked about, you know, money, setting goals and money mindset and sabotage and one of your quarter of the day show pods. Yeah. Zig Ziglar. I mean, I've got one of his books in my, iTunes audio file about what was it the <clears throat> successful rules of change or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, wow. it, it's a common, very, 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 very common problem. Uh, we're programmed as young people that money is this terrible thing, and people with money are terrible people. And you know, I always say I know a lot of rich people, and they are some of the most generous, good people you will ever meet. And uh, so the course, Money Mind Academy, again, it's eight weeks and I help them to um, discover like why they think this way. And I help them to re-examine these beliefs. And I tell you that the class where I teach them to re-examine their beliefs, man, we get to the end of that 90 minutes and they're just like, oh my God, I cannot believe I have believed this for my entire life. This makes no sense at all. And so I, I, like, I like watching the breakthroughs, man. It's pretty cool. Because a lot of things when you get taught it, Makes sense when you're younger, but as you get older, either you're going to get stuck in your, you know, beliefs or you want to actually break through the ceiling and actually change your mindset and actually do something about it. Yeah, it, it makes sense when you're a kid because the grown ups supposedly know everything. Sure. But now we're grown up and we're like, oh, wow, grown ups definitely don't know everything. And it also comes down to culture. You know, we are raised and taught how to survive within our culture, like what mm-hmm. to believe, what to think, how to feel. And at some point we get to this point of like what's called identification, where we become, where that culture and those beliefs become so much a part of our identity that if we believe something else, there is a threat. And this is not good for your brain. Your brain doesn't like this. Your brain thinks that you're going to get kicked out of the tribe. And if you get kicked out of the tribe, 
you get kicked out of your social circle, out of your family circle. Um, that is the opposite of survival. And so it's the opposite of the way that your brain is wired. It freaks people out because the brain would much rather avoid pain than gain pleasure. So your brain's going, hey, I don't want to deal with this social pain that's going to be involved with me actually thinking for myself. So let me just act like or continue to believe that I believe that, that I believe what my culture has taught me. You know, what we learn in culture, what we learn from our family and our friends and the media is so opposite from the truth. It's, it's insane. But we learned it so long ago that we've never actually stopped and asked the questions, is this really true? Like, for example, rich people are greedy. Okay, question number one, are all rich people greedy? No. No. Well, there you go. Look, look, check, check, check Warren Buffett. Yeah, I mean, your, your belief is blown up right there because it's a generalization. Like, all rich people are not greedy. Some of them are greedy, and then some of them are, are not. And what that does for you is it opens up a choice as to how you're going to be if and when you become prosperous. Um, you know, rich people are miserable. Okay, how do you know? How do you know this? Tell me one person, rich person you know, you know personally who's miserable. The only thing about rich people that some people that you know is they may lose all their cash, but they can recoup it again because yes. they know what's successful, even though they may lose it in the beginning. As Jim Rohn talked about, what was it? He had gained it. He lost it all, but he gained it back again. And that's consciousness. That's prosperity consciousness. I was just listening to something today. Uh, Henry Ford had gone bankrupt three times before he became successful. Walt Disney was on the, the, the brink of uh, bankruptcy for most of his life. You know, and, you know, people make fun of you know, politicians or Donald Trump. Oh, he went bankrupt so many times. Like, I don't care if you're a fan of Donald Trump or not a fan of Donald Trump, but he made that money back. You know, so so that's the fear of failure that people have. Maybe I'll go bankrupt. Well, maybe you will. But there's going to be a lesson that you learned that you can apply to your next journey. So next time you don't go bankrupt. And even if you do the second time, it's all good. It doesn't mean that you have to permanently stay off the horse. You just get back on and just keep going. Um, people are just afraid of failure. They're afraid of um, success. And they're mostly afraid of the loss of love. People do not want to lose the love of their friends and their family because, again, that's their social circle. That's their tribe. They don't want to get kicked out of the tribe. And they don't want to be judged and criticized for the success that they want to have. So they just stay in their box for the rest of their lives when they could have done something really cool with it. Have you read the book The Go-Giver by Bob Berg? Yeah, that was one of our book club books um, a few months ago. Oh, cool. Because I remember you think you talked about it. <clears throat> was it um, in one of the quote of the day show pods? And I'm like, wow, he's getting, you know, he's gotten all kinds. He's getting all kinds of books like the go giver. Um, what was it? The 30 day. Have you, I don't know if you've read the 30 day money challenge. Have you by any chance? I have not. No, I'll, I'll pick that one up. Because I know somebody suggested it to me and I got it. I haven't started to read it yet, but that one looks pretty good on my bucket list. And I know I don't know if you've read, I don't know if you've got a chance to read Michael Hyatt's platform yet. I have not. That's a, that's another. It's a business book about like you pretty much know about business because you're pretty much doing it. But how to you know get started? How to you know basically brand, create a brand and become better at building your brand? Uh-huh. What do you think? A lot of people are stuck on building the brand quickly instead of going through the steps of what it takes to actually make the brand successful so they can have something long term. Yeah. Um, <laughs> instant gratification is a problem these days. People cannot get gratification at all. They want it right now. You know, I, I, I grew up. You know, one of my favorite shows was the E True Hollywood story. I used to love it. I watched that show. That was that I mean, yeah, when it was on, I you can still find it on YouTube. Yeah, you can. And, and one thing I learned from that show very early in life was that these successful people, these actors and celebrities and such, none of them became successful overnight. It was a grind, man. It was a grind. There was ups, there was downs, there was all kind of failures for them to get to where they wanted to go. I don't know anybody, um, with the exception of my buddy George Bryant, uh, the civilized caveman, who just blew up their business immediately. I, I, I just don't. People need. I haven't. I haven't seen it. I mean, you tell me one person that 
has had a successful business making million dollars in the first day. It ain't happening. It's, that's not happening. It's not happening. It but happen. but that's what people expect. People don't. They don't respect the story. They don't respect the backstory. People don't read autobiographies these days. People don't read in general. But if you read an autobiography or a biography of a successful person, three quarters of that book is failing. It's failing, 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 failing in order to succeed, right? And you know, people have this, this false idea that they're just gonna go out there and crush it from day one. And then when they're disappointed, they quit. Like, yo, like my business, my underground wellness business, I used to like, like go to my computer and open up my email and wish that somebody would email me. You know what I'm saying? Like just wish that somebody would email me. I'm just like, oh, one today, right? But then it was like, one came in and then one or two people got onto my email list. And I was like, oh my God, like there's one or two people who signed up for my email list. That's crazy. You know what I'm saying? And then it just kind of grew and grew and grew and grew. We want to plant the seed. We want to water that seed just a little bit. And then Cultivation. we want to a freaking tree the next day. Like, no, you got to water that thing and water that thing and water that thing and water that thing. And the thing about this particular seed is it doesn't come with a package that tells you, hey, it's going to sprout in 14 days. Your thing might sprout in a year. It might sprout in two years. It might sprout in five years. But you got to be patient. You can't be the person who's always digging up the seed and going, oh, why isn't it working? Is it working? Like, no, because you have to start back from scratch every time. Like, be patient, get out of your own head, stop making it about yourself, go out there and help people, not once a week, but go out there and help people every single day, and you'll see this thing, this thing grows faster than you, you want. This thing will start growing faster. I'm going to give you a couple of examples. Gary Vaynerchuk, we all know Gary Vaynerchuk, made a wine video every single day for 17 months. That's why he's Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, mm -hmm. My buddy Jake Ducey a couple of years ago made a decision. He's like, yo, I want to blow up my business. I want to do YouTube videos every day. He did. He's done YouTube videos seven days a week for the last three years, has 500, probably 600,000 followers on YouTube. Crushing it. Here's the problem. Most people are like, oh, I want to put out one newsletter a month. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I want to put out one social media post per month. Like, I, I don't understand this. It doesn't make any sense. Like, you are always going to get out what you put in. There is a flow of the universe. It's all about giving and receiving. If you're not giving anything, you're not, not going to, don't expect to get anything back. Yes, you're not. You're not. And people, they just don't get it. They don't understand because nobody taught them. The expectations are screwed up. Like, yo, you are going to make a video. You're going to bust your ass on this video. Mm -hmm. And six people are going to watch it when you first. Or maybe it. one. You may not even get six. You may only get one. Yes. You may get, it may take you a month to even get one. You may be stuck at zero. Yes. Or you, or you may see, oh, I don't know. Let me think. Maybe two people may have you know, came by and just looked at it. Maybe not watch the video, but just looked at the picture of the packaging that you basically put on the video. Yes. And here's the thing, like people, they're like, oh my God, I don't want to make this video because, you know, everybody's going to see it. Like, yo, when you make this video, 12 people are going to see it. It's not that big of a deal. Like this is your time for practice. This is your time to improve. I used to do these um, live mastermind events, uh, for the people who bought Marie Forleo's B-School from me, because it's an expensive package and they come and, you know, a lot of them they have in their mind, like, I'm going to do what Marie Forleo do, does right now. I'm going to have a fancy set. I'm going to have this amazing YouTube channel. I'm going to have all these celebrities show up on set. I'm going to interview them. I have to show them everybody. I have to show everybody Marie's first video. It's like, She's sitting on the couch. I think she might even be in her pajamas. You know, she's just talking about internet marketing in a very basic video. People don't want to start there. You know, people want to, they want to start on chapter 20 instead of chapter one. And that's just not how it works. My Every friends. part of a book. What's that again? Every part of a book has a first chapter. Yes. You cannot read the whole book. I mean, in any sport that you do or anything in life, as one of the daily quotes came out and said, it always takes a first step. Yes. You can't go to step 30 until you get to step one. Yes. It's yeah. how a lot of people want to skip. They want to skip first base. I mean, maybe you'll hit a double, maybe, in baseball, acronym. You may hit a double, but then what are you going to do after you hit the double? 
you, you might, might you out. might get lucky and hit a triple. And you yeah. could strike out. And well, you more might, times than not, that's what you're going to do. You're going to yeah. strike out. You might get hit by the pitcher, and it might hurt. You know what I'm saying? Like that. That that's the game. That's the, that's what you got to be down for if you want to be an entrepreneur, if you want to be an influencer, if you want to do anything in this world. You got to be willing to take the hits. That's just the way it works. You got to be willing to bunt your way to success. You got to be willing to zigzag your way. Small ball. I got to teach this in Money Mind Academy. Essentially, what you do is you course correct towards your goal. You start moving toward the goal, then you get a little one degree off. Something went wrong, then you you course correct. Circle so root back and retry it again. Yeah, and you course correct. What most people do is they they fall off course and they want to go back to the airport. You know what I'm saying? They want to go backwards. Like, no, you just course correct and you start moving towards your goal again. And then you course correct again. You course correct again. People make the little failures and the little steps or the mistakes, I should say. They make those about. They make them mountains instead of what they really are. They, 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 They make them indictments on themselves because there's a way that people see themselves. And when they fail, it makes them see themselves as less than they already are. When that failure didn't really have anything to do with you, you just made a little tiny mistake. And now you can course correct and fix the mistake and keep moving forward. But we have a a massive, and it used to be me, we have a massive epidemic um, problem with self-esteem in this country and probably this world. And so we want to do something, but we can't handle failing. Because we make it about ourselves, not understanding that that's just the way that it's going to be. That's how life works. It's okay. It's how, it's how it was meant to be. Like I heard a quote today in one of my other pods that I listened to daily, quote from a British orchestra conductor, Colin Davis, where it basically said, the road to success and the road to failure are almost the same. Yeah. But at some point, there's a there's a fork in the road that you're going to have to take at some point. And you better make sure you're on the right path. Or if you're not, turn around. Need to start back over again? That's fine. Yeah. Um, it, it's just the way life is, man. It's um, Life is about an entrepreneurship, which is life is about self-discovery. And if we knew how to do it from day number one, there would be nothing to discover. You know, we discover things about ourselves when we put ourselves into positions where we have to like think our way out of them. We put ourselves into positions where like, like, like not very good positions. Sure. And it's, it's that that's, so that's what grows the confidence in you. The fact that you got out of this and you made it better and you grew through that. Like, that's what it's about. People don't want to, in general, People don't want to do that. But if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, you or successful be, anything. Yeah, you got to be okay with the ups and the downs. You know, an example that I like to use, I got to let you go in a few minutes, but an example I like to use is uh, what we call the law of rhythm, right? Like you're going to be up, then you're going to be down. Steve Jobs was up. Steve Jobs was up. Then he got kicked out of his own company. And then he came back up. And now, you know, Apple is what it is. About a year and a half ago, people were like worried about Elon Musk. They were going, why is Elon Musk on Joe Rogan getting high and drinking? What's up with these late night tweets that are kind of weird from Elon Musk? He got kicked off his own board, I believe. And people thought it was like the end of Elon Musk. But I was like, Mm -hmm. hold up. A year from now, Elon Musk is going to be crushing it. He's going to be better than ever. Yeah, what did he do a couple months ago? They sent sent a rocket off to space and such. You know what I'm saying? They they put men into space. Like that's... That's the way it goes. There's going to be ups. There's going to be times when people think you're absolutely out of your mind and you might even lose your mind a little bit, but you just got to <laughs> think like it's, it's not forever. Just like COVID and what we're going through as a country, it's not forever. You know, Jim yep, Rohn like, talked about a couple yeah, days winters, ago, the yeah. winters, the yeah. winter will always come and winter always comes. If you don't think winter is going to come, well, I, I, I don't know what, what earth. I don't, I don't know what planet you're on because yes. Fall is coming right around the corner. Matter of fact, 11 days from now, fall is going to start. So you know what that means? Guess what's coming after fall? Winter. Day is going to be shorter. Sun's going to be going down quicker. And you guess what? Here's the thing. You can count count on it. You can count on on it. Every year it's reliable, right? It's dependable. It's going to happen. People have a hard time seeing their lives that way. 
they think it's going to be summer all of the time in terms of no like there's going to be winters and if you if you don't want them to this i think this is why we have such a depression problem in our country because everybody wants it to be summer all the time spring and summer all the time you're going to have bad days you're going to have bad months you might have a bad full year that's life. It doesn't mean you're depressed. It just means that you're just having a hard time right now. And it's okay because you're growing through it. It's going to be over it someday. As the Steve Harvey says, you done survived every single one of your bad days, 100% mm-hmm. of them. When anything bad goes wrong in my life, and I wasn't always like this, whenever anything bad goes on in my life, I go, this is temporary. At some point, this is going to be over. As an old, as an old gospel hymn would go, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. It always passes, man. People, you know, couple- people think it's permanent, man. It always passes every single time. Nobody can tell me one time when something didn't pass. It always passes. Dead. Things always get better. Summer and spring, they're always around the corner, man. They're always coming. And so just, just, just got to change your perspective just a little bit, man, and it can change your entire life. Okay. Before we close this thing down, how did you get in the Marie Forleo selling B courses? Uh, I think I just signed up a few years ago. It's probably like seven years ago I signed up for it. And then after that, I think it turned into an invite only. Um, and it's been great. Uh, she actually, you know, a lot of us have, have had realizations during this, this time of COVID. And one mm-hmm. of the things she realized was that she wanted to bring more simplicity to her business as well. So she's decided to no longer do affiliates for B-School. And so affiliates like that, that extra money that everybody was making every year through B-School won't be coming in that this year. But, I, you know, for a second there, I was like, darn. But then I was like, you know what? Sometimes B-School can make me a little bit lazy because I make a big chunk of money from that every year. I'm like, oh, okay, we're doing pretty good. But that's going to be good because I think a lot of us are going to work harder this next year to replace and exceed the income that we made from it. How do you keep yourself mentally sharp, even though you're an entrepreneur, plus doing the podcast with the Quote of the Day show and other things that you're doing now? How do you keep yourself mentally sharp, even though there are days you don't want to do the things that you know are necessary to keep your business flowing and going where you can make the income where you can keep yourself, you know, relevant. Right. Well, well, number one, number one, I got to roll in a minute. Um, Number one is I, I, I'm always trying to put good stuff in. So I'm always reading books. I'm always learning. I always feel like I'm progressing towards something. But number two is I listen to my body you know, and I listen to my mind as well. If my body's starting to feel a little bit run down, like probably the last couple of days, I felt a little run down. So I took a little bit of time off and just kind of hung out and ate ice cream and watched basketball games and such, right? <laughs> Didn't read anything either. Cause whenever I, I picked up a book, it just, it just wasn't connecting. And so I just know my body. I know my mind. I know when it's time to take a little bit of time off and just to relax. And then at some point after I've relaxed, I'm like, all right, let's get to work. That's when I know I'm ready. And so that's how I stay sharp. And I also just stay realistic knowing I'm not going to be able to maintain sharpness of mind 24 seven, 365. You just got to listen to your body. You got to love what you do. And I think most of all, you have to care about people. You know, it's always about the people. It's always about like, that, that, that one or a thousand or whatever people who are, whose day got a little bit better because of something they heard on the show or something they read in a newsletter or something they saw on my Instagram feed, like that really does it for me. And I'm just really happy to be able to do what I do. This is a blast, Sean. You gave me almost a full hour and it was a blast. Yes, sir. Good times. Great questions, man. I appreciate you having me. No, thank you. Uh, thanks to Sean Croxton for being my guest on Season 2, Episode 9 of the Blind Broadcaster Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast, you can find the information and update some future episodes by searching on Facebook, the Blind Broadcaster Podcast. For broadcast and events, you can look up the Luther King Broadcast Network Facebook page on Facebook. That's the information I just gave you. But it is Luther King Broadcast Network. You can find that also on Facebook. If you have suggestions for people you would like to hear me interview on this podcast, you may do so by emailing me or looking me up on Facebook at the following address. Luther.king.tsp at gmail.com 
you can send me a direct message on Twitter at King underscore TSB and on IG at LKing dot Cardinalsfan85. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Blind Broadcaster Podcast. And in the podcast world, we always ask you for the following. For you to rate, subscribe, and review the Blind Broadcaster Podcast on your favorite podcast directory. Until next time, thanks for joining us. Tune in again for another exciting episode of the Blind Broadcaster Podcast. You've been listening to the Blind Broadcaster Podcast presented by the Luther King Broadcast Network. Each episode, Luther King sits down with fellow broadcasters to get their insight into their passion for broadcasting and discuss their career journey. Blind from birth, Luther King never let that stop him from attaining his goal of becoming a blind broadcaster. To find out more about the Blind Broadcaster Podcast presented by the Luther King Broadcast Network, search the Blind Broadcaster Podcast or Luther King Broadcast Network on social media or visit Luther King Broadcast Network. Network.com.